Hey, so you know the toughest part about doing a podcast? It's actually knowing how to start the podcast every week. Honestly, of all the things I do, the thing I get most stressed about is the first five words. It's like, what do I say? How do I intro? Do I say, what's up? Or good morning? Or hey, dudes? Or what's going on, ladies? Or who knows what I say? And so uh, just behind the scenes right now, I'm telling you, the toughest thing about doing a podcast is just kind of the first five words. And today I came out with that. And therefore that filled up the five plus words that I need to start off with from the beginning. So anyway, welcome to the Everyday Missionary Podcast. This is episode 219. Uh, and today we continue in the theme of uh, what's gone wrong with maybe our American Christianity and how to make it right. And, and I keep on this theme because I think it's the most critical theme uh, of all of Christianity right now. I, I, I really do have this conviction, this kind of disposition laid in my soul that says, you know what, we've gotten gotten just enough wrong in how we've been doing culture uh, that I think it's imperative that we make it right or we're going to run into a lot of problems. And and part of this, I, I, I confess, is that I keep overlaying uh, what I see in the minor prophets, what I see in the history of Israel, and, and I'm looking at that as kind of this um, template of warning. Right, because it's such a pattern that you, you, you see after a while, like, hey, this pattern is there because human beings have a cyclical nature and we can go from trying to honor God to then wanting to elevate ourselves and pursue our own interests and focus on our own priorities. And then after a while, we get way off track. But we think we're still honoring God in the process. And I think that's where American Christianity seems to be in a lot of respects. And and again, I always want to give the caveat that says, I'm not saying this of every Christian and every church and every way. That's not my point. I'm, I'm speaking in terms of generalities here. But I think in those generalities, when I look at American Christianity, I do think America is becoming like a new Israel, but for all the wrong reasons, right? So this is one of those things in theology and so social dynamics that we've seen in Christianity over the last several decades where people are like the United States is this unique gift of God to the world and Israel and and the United States are sort of amalgamated now and the United States is like a new Israel that demonstrates God to the world and therefore we're a Christian nation in the spirit of what God intended for Israel and all of that is not only really bad theology but I actually think it's harmful to our mission because then we start to think more in Old Testament terms instead of New Testament terms. We start to think in terms of theocracies and we're not thinking in terms of Christ's kingdom and how it's subversive and different and doesn't use the rules of this world and moves forward in a different way. But I think it's this weird tension of like, we're a new Israel that I go, well, in some ways we may be and for every wrong reason. In other words, we're caught in this cycle that Israel get caught in, where it's more about us and our desires and our prosperity and our future. And, 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 and from that, maybe we're getting further from God in the process. And for us as then in the New Testament spirit of Christianity, um, which I, I'm not even sure Christianity is really a great label. And I've been talking about that on the podcast. I'm not sure Jesus would become a Christian if he were here today. I think he'd be like, whoa, ward that stuff off. I want to be about the kingdom. I don't want to be about Christianity, right? Um, but I think in this, uh, what happens is, you know, we, we start to kind of fall in love with our vision of how we want the world to be. And then we realize that it's going to take certain tools to get to that world and maintain that world. 
And often we start to think that, well, the way you do that is the way the world does that. And so if the world uses certain leveraging tools, political tools, financial tools, shaming tools, control tools, power tools, tools that are designed to make you win. Like if, if we start to say that's the only way you can get to and maintain your vision for the world, what we do in the process is we lose Jesus and we lose the kingdom. And we can do that for religious reasons. We can do that for reasons that are advocating for what we perceive to be biblical truth. And what I keep realizing is that there is this advocacy for truth at the cost of being like Jesus. And we feel comfortable advocating for certain truths, even like last week's podcast about conservative morality at the cost of kingdom values, right? There's this temptation for that because we can feel good about the fact that, hey, we're defending the Bible, we're defending Christianity, we're defending our heritage, but we can do all of that with this drive to win at the cost of what Jesus really wants us to do. And what I believe Jesus really wants us to do is to own the value, ready? of losing. Our quest to win actually is counterintuitive and counterproductive to Jesus's calling on our lives to actually lose. So we start to invert the plan and we get so fixated on we need to win to get back what we want or to get to what we want as Christians in this culture, we forget the fact that Jesus's marching orders was actually very much about losing, not about winning. It was about giving up as opposed to gaining. So I I, want to kind of unpack this a little bit today. And again, I don't think this can be a terribly long podcast, but but let me give you the roots of this, right? Uh, so uh, as some of you know, I'm a hockey fan. We got the Seattle Kraken here. Just got my jersey last week. Not like the cheese ball jerseys. Not that I'm mocking cheese ball jersey, but 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 I'm a fan, man. So I, I lay down some bank to get me the highest quality Kraken jersey you could, and so that's what he went with. Went with number nine because hey, first score scored uh, by the Kraken. Donato was the man. When we played the Golden Knights and lost them, I know at this point I've lost the non-hockey fans. Um, but during some of the matches that I've watched or the games, uh, this theme has come up about how hockey's trying to adjust the rules a little bit so that there's more scoring in hockey. They want more points, but the adjustments actually sacrifice the quality of play. Right, So in order to ensure more points, you have to create certain rules that minimize other things to ensure scoring. Uh, We see the same thing in the NFL right now where they're trying to kind of engineer it in such a way that there is a bit of an advantage for the offense at the cost of the defense so that there is more scoring attempts or more scoring in the NFL. And when you do that, it actually reduces gameplay. When you engineer it to win more or score more, you remove the counterbalance that can make these things sort of interesting. And so I was thinking about that, and then it made me think about Christianity, and made me think about our cultural engagement, and it made me realize that much of the thing that drives evangelical Christianity when it comes to culture wars and culture debates and culture problems is this desire to win. And in that, there is sometimes the risk of whatever it takes to win, even if we have to reduce our quality of play, as long as we win on abortion, or as long as we win on economic policy, or as long as we win on social morality, or as long as we win on cultural, uh, you know, kind of amalgamations where we're not giving up our culture to all the different other cultures, but rather we're this distinct American culture and we don't give way to that, or you pick your poison 
poison on this. There sometimes can be this thing that says we must maintain a thing and we must win. And sometimes it's winning at all cost. And I think oftentimes the cost of winning is losing our quality of play. And what I mean by the quality of play is the quality of being like Jesus when we do these things. So it's more important to win than to be like Jesus. It's more important to get things done than to get things done in such a way that the stamp of Jesus's name and fame and reputation and disposition and kingdom values can be plastered on that win. It's a little bit like being the Houston Astros, right? You can win by cheating. And my concern for us as Christians is sometimes we're willing to cheat what Jesus expects of us to win culture wars in our society or to try to win for Christianity or put points on the board for Christianity in a cultural way at the cost of a Christ-like way. So again, you're already listening and you're like, oh, this is not a new theme for Matt. This is the enduring same theme that he continues to pound. And I go, yes, I continue to pound it because I think we have to hit it from like 72 different angles. Because I do think this is so uniquely embedded, uh, not just into the way evangelicalism has formed up in the last 50, 60 years, but I think it's kind of part and parcel to the fabric of the American heritage and constitution. You know, there's this sense of, and I don't mean like the constitution, I mean the constitution of our persons or the constitution of our attitude as Americans. And so um, it's... There's this sense in which it's like it's grit, it's tenacity, it's feisty, it's fighting. We settled the West by kind of warring to settle the West, by blazing trails and taking great risk and, you know, just being independent personal or personally minded independent people. Uh, and, and all of that kind of drives things. And so from that, then I think there is this our job is to win. But I don't think that is actually the marching orders that Jesus gave us. In fact, if anything, I look at Jesus and we follow the ultimate loser. We don't follow the ultimate winner. From an earthly perspective, Jesus is a loser. And I know some of you are already probably bothered by that, but just do the math right? Like he's born to kind of a loserous family. He lives in a loserous, loserous? Is that a word? I'm making it up. A loser-ish town, loser-ish family. Um, You know, has a middle-class job. It's fine. But when he starts his ministry, the bigwigs and the power brokers and everything else, they look at him and they're like, man, the dude's a loser. Guy doesn't have a place to live. He doesn't have a home. He's couch surfing for three years. You know, he hangs out with losers and he is a loser and his group of apostles is losers. And then he goes to the cross and he loses. He loses. And when he's going there, he doesn't fight. He doesn't kick. He doesn't scream. Some dude tries to pull out a sword. He's like, you idiot, put it away. You live by it. You die by it. That's not how we do it here. We're not trying to win. The job is to lose. And I feel like he's looking at Peter right there saying, dude, what did I tell you? If you want to gain your life, you're going to lose it. But if you consciously decide to lose your life, you're going to gain it. Right? His challenge to us is if you want to follow me, you're following a loser who asks you to lose. Does that not freak you out? It should freak you out because that's the message. You want to be the greatest? Be the least. Be a loser. Want to be first? Be a loser. Be last in your division, you know, like 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 the Seahawks right now. So it, it, it's like this is like the sports day of the podcast. This is what normally happened, by the way. It's just in my head right now. So because I think winning and losing is so much a part of the context of sports. Sport, 
Uh, and I think it's so much the context of what we think we're supposed to do and we're getting it backwards and we're supposed to do the backwards thing. But Jesus invites us to lose. Jesus calls us to a system that begs us to have the courage to lose. I mean, so much though that I almost think he's like, man, if you really love me, you're willing to lose for me. See, I think we think if we really love you, we're willing to fight for you. If, we're, if we really love you, we're willing to, to win for you. And he's like, right, but it's not the marching orders. That's not the map I gave you. That is not the X's and O's in the playbook. Look at the X's and O's. They're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all a call to lose. To lose your life, to lose your wealth, to lose your security, to lose your safety, to lose See, I, I can't emphasize this enough because we get coaxed into thinking that our job is to win. And then from that, we start to back winners. We want our leaders to be winners. Our religious leaders, our financial leaders, our political leaders, our occupational leaders. We want to back winners. We have a bloodlust for the winner. And from that, in wanting to, to find the winners, we lose our quality of play to put up artificial points on the board for wins. But they're not Jesus wins. They're just earthly wins in Christianity's name or earthly wins in a political party's name. But but that's not the stuff of Christ. And so this is why I think it's going to be very hard for us to embrace what it is Jesus actually says. At times, I think we own this caricature of Christ. And that caricature is Christianity, and I'm not trying to beat up too much on Christianity and our 2,000 years of heritage, but when I said earlier that I'm not sure Jesus would become a Christian, I think Jesus would oftentimes look at Christianity and say, like, how did you guys get so far off the rails? That's where, again, he sometimes, I think, looks at Christianity like he was looking at Israel in the Old Testament. I've given you the law and the promises and the blessings and the covenant, and how did you guys miss it all so much? And in the same way, I think Jesus looks at us and says, man, I've given you the gospel. I've given you grace. I've given you the, the identity of the kingdom. I've given you the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain. And I've told you the greatest of these is love. And if you don't have love, everything else is crap, doesn't matter. It's a joke. It won't service the world well in any way. In fact, if anything, it will only break and harm the world in my name. That's not good. That's why you need to embody the fruit of the spirit as opposed to the kind of the desires of the flesh or the will or the want of self and self-preservation more than the want of kingdom sacrifice and service. All of this kind of swings back around to us having to then own that there is a gulf between what Jesus wants and sometimes what we do. Or maybe I say it differently, between what Jesus wants and what we want and admire and desire and esteem and elevate. Nobody wants to back a loser, right? Nobody wants to be a loser, And yet, as Christians, we claim a Lord who was a loser. He was. I know some of you want to retaliate against that right now. Be like, no, he wasn't because he was losing to win. I'm like, right. Notice how he won. The way Jesus won was through quality of play, not more points. The way Jesus won was through this very mechanism of loss. And the way the church has always historically won is not when it fights and wins and stands 
Not when it sees itself as soldiers in an earthly way, but soldiers in a kingdom way. And I think this is important because when you read through the New Testament, you see these passages where it talks about that, right? Like fight the good fight of faith. Uh, every good soldier is answerable to their commanding officers. You see this like in Second Timothy, for example, right? So you see this idea of stand, a fight, of soldiering. And we go, that's right. That's what we need to do. Here's where we miss the metaphor. That metaphor is undergirded by what Jesus talks about. So when Jesus says to Pilate, my kingdom is not like this world. My, my soldiers who fight and stand, if you will, is not like this world. In fact, it's the opposite of this world. For us as Christians, when we think about the, those metaphors then of standing, fighting, soldiering, we should take what we see around us in the world and just flip it. Because that's all Jesus does. He just flips it. So he's like, yes, I want you to do those things, but according to the pattern I set out for you. So a good soldier who wins for Jesus is the one that doesn't grab the sword, but puts it away. The good soldier who stands for Jesus doesn't hit somebody when they're hit, but they turn the other cheek. The good soldier who stands for Jesus and fights, fights to be a loser. They don't fight to be the winner because they realize that in losing, that is where there is victory. In losing, that is where there is the win. In losing, it shows we trust Christ. We honor his values. We know that the only way forward in some ways is to take a knee, not take a stand. And therefore, the way we stand is by taking a knee. The way we stand is by holding our tongue. The way we stand is by loving the unlovely. The way we stand is by showing real wisdom, which is not retaliation, but wisdom that sows peacemaking. James chapter 3. The list can go on and on and on, but I cannot emphasize this enough. We must long for, pray for, desire, hunger, thirst for losing because we follow a loser savior who gives up his privilege, who gives up his, um, his throne in Philippians 2 to come and be our servant, to come and be a slave, to come and be sacrificed. The ultimate winning God sends the most bold message in the cross by losing everything in love to rescue If we really love the world around us, if we really love lost people, and if we really love Jesus, then we're going to have to come up with this reality or own this reality that we need to begin the love affair with losing. Because only in the losing is there the right kind of gameplay. It's easy to sacrifice the gameplay and just go for the W. Just say, we need to make wins, as many wins as possible. We got to win culture. We got to win influence. We got to win money and power and all these kinds of things. And you know what? In the winning, you lose Jesus. In the winning, we lose the kingdom. In the winning, we lose the next generation because I, that's the thing I'm also really committed to. They are they are done in droves. They're leaving their Christian heritage in droves. They are um, boldly opinionated against Christianity in pretty large segments. All of our actions to try to make sure we protect our next generation, protect the kids, we're failing the kids. Because they've seen us so busy trying to win through all of these human apparatuses. They go, what's transcendent about that? What, what's Jesus-oriented about that? Right? They, they, they dig Jesus, but they just don't see him much in modern adult Christianity. Why would they want it? 
Because it's pretty easy if you come to the Bible for the first time and you're reading the, the words of Jesus and the Gospels, it's not hard to see what he's pointing at. It's, it's blatantly and patently obvious, right? Who would want that? Who would want to follow a loser? Well, sometimes we really don't. We'd rather follow winners. We'd rather follow a caricature of a commanding, conquering Christ who is like riding on the horse and coming with the sword. And that's the one we want as opposed to the one we were shown. And the one we were shown, wash his feet. The one that we were shown doesn't say a word. The one that we were shown stands up for the least of these by being a friend to them. The one we were shown gives his life away. And then he says to us, if you want to follow me, you give your life away as well. It's interesting in first John chapter three, he's, um, reiterating something Jesus talks about in the gospel of John. So in the gospel of John says, Hey man, Jesus says, there's no greater love than this, that you lay your life down for a friend. And we go, Oh, so death. Well, John takes that and jumps on it in first John chapter three by saying, well, no, not death. It's just, even if you have this world's goods and you see somebody in need and you don't do anything, you didn't lay your life down in love for others. Cause true love is to lay one's life down. True love is to lose. And then losing is the winning. I think this is the value that Christianity and our culture needs to take more seriously. I think it's the value that we need to actually um, actually have faith in. Because I think at the core of all of these problems, we just don't believe Jesus. We believe in Jesus and we believe in a variation of Jesus that makes us feel good. But if we really believe Jesus, we would see the headline of his life. The headline of his life is God comes and loses. But by losing the way he did, that's how the win is put on the board. Wins are not put on the board through earthly tactics. Wins, true wins, are put on the board when we, again, have quality of play, the values of the kingdom, the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain, the Fruit of the Spirit, the definition of love, the putting on of Christ in Colossians chapter 3. You pick your passage, they all point to the same thing. Selflessness sacrifice, losing for the sake of gaining and winning. See, that's the only way it will really go forward. If we want to reclaim the next generation, it's not going to be because we protect them with policies. It's not going to be because we shut down certain segments of the population that we see their morals are different than ours or we we see them infringing on our rights. Like all of that stuff doesn't change a thing. It makes us feel good about our ego and it lets us vent our frustration, but it doesn't look like Jesus. Jesus wouldn't do this stuff. He doesn't give a rip about those things. What he gives a rip about is being like him. That's compelling. That invites people. That draws people in. When we're like Jesus, that's something that I get excited about. And you know what? I keep looking at my life more and I'm like, man, I am not doing this well. I got to do this better. I still want to win too much. I still want to have my little slice of the American dream and protect it. And Jesus is like, dude, you're wasting your time. First Corinthians three says all of what we do passes through the flames. Matt, you're just, you're just, you're just stacking up like lumber for burning. Stop trying to win. Start believing and losing. Because if you really believe in a loser savior who calls you to lose, you'll be willing to lose. But if you want to just re-engineer him as the winner, Right the one who's going to command and conquer the environment right here, right now in these ways. Well, it's not even Christ, Matt. At this point, you're following. You're following something else, but it's not him. 
No, I didn't think, do I think Jesus comes back one day and wins in every conceivable way? Absolutely. Do I think we all agree on how that happens? Not at all. We don't. We don't agree on how that happens. We don't agree on all the dynamics. I believe the way that that comes into being, I believe the way, as Peter says, we hasten the coming of the Lord is by being losers, by acting like Jesus. And we're going to protract out his return when we have poor gameplay. We don't act like the kingdom. We don't really embody those values and pray to that end. When we don't do that, it just keeps pushing it out. And he's like, you're just being like dumb Israel again, spinning your wheels, wanting earthly gains in the name of God. And that's not how it works. That's not how I advance. I advance the kingdom, Jesus says, by doing kingdom stuff. And I believe the more we can own that, the more we can own what it means to be a kingdom-minded person, which is to be a loser. I'm going to keep saying that. I know we don't like it, but it means being a loser. You got to love the losers because you follow a loser God. A loser God who gives up everything to gain you and me, and he wants to gain others. And they need to become as important to us as they were to him. The lost world was so important to Jesus, he lost. He lost to gain us. And until we're willing to lose, to gain, we'll be missing out. Because the quest of the everyday missionary is not the American dream. And the quest of the everyday missionary is not kind of social security. And I don't mean the financial kind. I mean security in society. Um, the quest of the everyday missionary is to be like Jesus. And the more we live like Jesus, we love like Jesus, we lose like Jesus the more we will be effective everyday missionaries.